Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. Everybody, it is 1:32 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer working from the home office, like many of you, here on Orders. Now we've heard from Brian Burke, we've heard from Louis DeBrusque, and as promised, uh, we're going to head off to our River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline. We're going to welcome back to the show Hall of Famer Paul Coffee. Paul, how you doing? Not too bad, Bobby. Those are two pretty good, two pretty big guys to follow, Berkey and uh, yeah. Louis no, Boy. this good. is uh, Thursdays are often our most popular show. Uh, Berkey is a uh, bigger than life uh, personality, as you know, and Louis has uh, become beloved in the Edmonton market, which probably doesn't surprise you uh, at yeah, all well, in the well least. Deserved. Well deserved. Now, were you coaching in uh, Arizona when Louis was there? Uh I can't remember. It's been so long ago. I don't think Louie was there. I'm not sure. Okay, he wasn't there yet. All right. Hey, look, today is, Paul, is the anniversary. Uh, 34 years ago today, man, time flies. I was seriously only 185 pounds when you did this. Uh, but uh, you, you scored uh, You scored twice, and you broke Bobby Orr's uh, single-season goal-scoring uh, record for defensemen. Um did you kind of think back and just kind of shake your head? Because I know you've got nothing but the, the, you know, the most immense amount of respect for number four, Bobby Orr. Yeah, I mean, first of all, stop trying to think of you at 185 pounds. It's, it's a lot harder than me thinking of me scoring the freaking Bobby Orr's record. <laughs> um, yeah, of course, Bobby Orr was Bobby Orr was Bobby Orr. Wayne Gretzky's Wayne Gretzky. Gordy Howe's Gordy Howe. I mean, that's the uh, that's the biggest and the best of the best. And I never, I never. I never stepped on the ice in, in the C- 85, 86 and thought I was going to break Bobby Orr's record. It just kind of happened. And, uh, you know, as it got closer, it, it, it's funny. People would think as you got closer to the record that the pressure would mount, but I didn't feel uh, I didn't feel any pressure at all. I just felt I'm on board all the time. The closer I can get to Bobby Orr, uh, it's all good to me. And uh, it just so happened it worked out. I think I had nine goals at Christmas time that year. Got four against Calgary, I believe, on Boxing Day, and then uh, you know, magic just uh, strike. I mean, we had a great hockey club, great players, and, uh, and everything seemed to line up. I know. Was that the year you had double-digit short-handed goals as well? Uh, I'm not sure. I think I had 13. Yeah. Yeah, 13 short-handed but goals, but, but, but I'm not the... sure. <laughs> that's that's just. It's just crazy when you think about it. So, look, you're the first one. We know this about you, Paul. You're the first one to defer. Look, I was on a team with, you know, Wayne and uh, Mark and, and, and Gary Curry and Glenn Anderson, and we could come at teams in waves. Um, 
all that being said, what, what had happened against Vancouver 34 years ago? Today, you, you, you got a little bit of luck on the first one, didn't you? Yeah, that was a pass. I got a lot, I got luck on the second one too. I mean, that was a pass going across. I mean, the thing that you know it is what it is, and you know, Bob, you talked earlier really about deferring it because that's what we were. We were a team. That's why we won Stanley Cups, and that's why we were great because it was all for one and one for all. And you know, for me, those two goals, the forty-six and the forty-seventh, were both unassisted goals. And you know, if you could fit twenty guys on the game sheet each time, they all singly helped me. I know the the tire was a pass across the crease to Yari that hit a Vancouver skate, went in. Yes, that was lucky. The record breaker, you know, it looked like a great end-to-end rush, which it was, but. You know, truth be known, that was at the end of a shift. The puck was dumped down in my corner in the second period. I was just trying to get off the ice. I was absolutely exhausted. Uh, started chugging myself up the ice. Things opened up. Got to the red line. Was going to dump it in. Said, I can't dump it in. If I dump it in, I got nobody on me. Say there's going to probably give me shit for that, so I better keep carrying it. Uh, carried it. Things opened up and ended up scoring. But, uh, you know, it was uh, it was great. But it's, uh, again, and, you know, it's an old cliche, old team and the guys first, but that's what it was with our hockey club. Yeah. Uh, when did you, you know, because I was 15 when you guys beat Montreal in 1981, and I think you scored every game of that series. And there was a point in the second game where I was like, I think Edmonton's just better than these guys. And people forget, you guys pounded them 9-1 in January that year at home as well. But do you think that's kind of when you guys sort of start? Did you had you already believed in yourself, or did that series sort of was that sort of the the impetus or the you know the origin or did that sort of jumpstart where you guys collectively might be able to go? I would think Bob probably all of the above. I mean, we always we always believed in ourselves. That's what we were taught. You know, Glenn being our coach talked to us, uh, taught us to believe in ourselves, of confidence in ourselves look good, you feel good, feel good, you play good, that kind of mantra, and that's what we kind of did. But, I mean, to be honest with you, we just crept into the playoffs that year. We're lucky to make the playoffs, and Montreal was the draw that we had. And when we found out we were playing the Montreal Canadiens, who we had the utmost respect for as kids growing up, and of course that year, we all looked at each other and said, we are going to get killed. But we were loose. We went in the Montreal Forum. We felt that uh, all the pressure was on them. Uh, we had the, the game's greatest, uh, not the greatest yet, but wanted to be the greatest, a guy in Wayne. Knew he was going up against the great Montreal Canadiens, Guido Fleur, etc. And there's not a better stage to be on than the Montreal Forum. And if you can remember, you know, Eddie Mayo got hurt, who was our goalie during the year, and Andy Moe came up from Wichita. And Moger just played fantastic. And, you know, we won the two games in Montreal and then come back in Edmonton. And I've never seen, tied for first for sure, the Edmonton Oilers fans more excited than they were that game three back in Edmonton. I've seen them loud since, but no louder than that. It was, uh, it was pretty exciting. I mean, that put us on the awareness chart for sure. But, I mean, we all know what happened the next year. Yeah, well, just just the that eighty one series ball against the Islanders. I mean, Wayne was unbelievable. Wayne, hey, Wayne was unbelievable every night. But suddenly it was you know Glenn Anderson and Mark Messier flying around, and the the caliber of goals that you guys scored in that series. I mean, I mean it was 
it was it was pretty special. So it was it was incredible to watch. You you climbed that mountain in 1984. You guys do it again in '85. Uh, you were on the '87 team as well. The question I have for you is, I actually think the '87 team was better than the '85 team. I don't know if it's hard for you to judge or easy for you to judge, but of the of the three Stanley Cups that you won with the Oilers, which team do you think was the best team? Well, I will say out of the gate, I might be the only one. I'm sure there's a couple other guys that said 85. I was always an 85 guy. Wayne was 87. Kevin was 87, which is rightfully so. But uh, I don't get a whole lot of bragging rights between those two guys. But which team was the greatest? The fans 85. voted. 85, so it must have been me. I just, I mean, you know, Philadelphia is a great hockey club. We beat them in five games. I mean, we waltzed through that playoffs, beating some great, great, great hockey clubs. I mean, records were set. Wayne was 52 or whatever points he had in 18 games. I think I had 37. Everybody else, Mark, Wayne, Yari, did their thing. It was pretty incredible. And the 87 team, as great as it was, but we we had some we had some we had some add-ons to that team. Like Richard Landon came, you know, for the playoffs. It wasn't a team we had together. For a long time, and Philadelphia took us seven games. So, you know, I'm an '85 guy. Yeah, uh, I just game game five. I mean, you guys just lit the again. I remember the drop pass that Wayne made. You jumped up and activated down the right side, went in and scored just a beauty, and it was off the charts stuff. Uh, spectacular, spectacular. And you guys could do it anyway. The Chicago series that year, that was a hard fought series in '85, wasn't it? Yep, I believe we went. Uh, I believe we won two at home, lost two on the road, yeah, and then won the next two. My memory serves me sure. Yeah, I mean Chicago was a great hockey club. Winnipeg were great teams. I mean we had to. All those teams are instrumental in making us as good, if not better, than we than we needed to be because you had to beat them. And and the guys south of us, Calgary, the same thing. But Chicago were great teams. You know, you had Chelios, uh, Danny Sabard. Uh, Chelios wasn't there again, but uh, Danny Sabard, Doug Wilson. Great, 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 great hockey players. But, uh, you know, just not good enough. And it made us it made us even better. But, I mean, we had we had Hall of Famers up front. We had Hall of Famers in the back end. And we had a Hall of Fame goaltender, which which made us very special. And, and Bob, you gotta, Bob, you got to remember, remember, those teams, we didn't care what the score was. We just wanted to win. I.e., if we were having a tough game defensively, we just needed to win the game. And if we won it 6-5, we won it 6-5. There was nothing said about, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, you better, better, uh, better be better defensively. No, no, you just win the game. Al Davis, win the game, baby. Absolutely. Paul, did you guys tighten it up a bit around the middle of March every year? March 15th. The playoff run? March 15th is our date, and that's... Uh, that's a credit to Glenn Sather. He let us play, let us have fun, let us play. There was games we won probably during the year we shouldn't have. There was games we lost we should have won. But, I mean, he just let us play. But come March 15th, we knew come playoff time there was going to be a lot of close games and we're going to have to tighten up, and we did that. And that's, that's like, like the hard part of the game, even in today's game, any coach should tell you or will tell you is scoring goals. That's the hard part, scoring goals. The other part's just commitment. And if you can score goals and still commit yourself to that and still score goals, you're going to have a championship team. 
We're joined by Paul Coffey, Oilers Hall of Fame defenseman, 34 uh, years ago today, broke Bobby Orr's single-season goal record. Paul, you've done some work in the Oilers organization over the last uh, couple seasons, uh, helping out the skills and development side, uh, with specifically with defensemen. Uh, how proud were you watching the evolution this season of Ethan Bear and Caleb Jones? Well, you know, all those guys, I mean, all, all the other defensemen on the whole, I mean, they all took a, a real leap this year. I think the coaching staff did an incredible job. But, you know, when I was hired two or three years ago, the first thing I did was talk to uh, the coach down in Bakersfield and get the stats of uh, Berzy and, and Regina and, and Caleb and found out find out what kind of players they are. And I think that uh, those two guys, great young kids, respectful, proud to be Oilers, understand what the Oilers emblem is all about, and they also know that as good as they can be in the back end, they can push the game north and get up and help the flow of the game, and they they just did a huge leap for the team. I think uh, Bearsy came in as a bit of a sleeper. Jonesy was on the map a little bit from last year, and uh, you know we expect great things from them moving forward. Jim Playfair, your thoughts. Uh, the Oilers have the second-ranked penalty killing in the NHL. Dave Tippett recognized him on Monday again, uh, reinforced the job that Glenn Gullitson and Jim have done. But I know that you do talk to Jim on a fairly regular basis. Well, so I was trying to say, I mean, the Oilers coaching staff have done an incredible job. I'm sure they're getting enough credit, but if they're not, they should certainly get more because they've been communicative. They've allowed the players to play their game. They've um, communicated to the players in a different way where it's always positive and you know Jim's done a nice job back in the back end pushing the guys I think if you ask him they could still be better and that's what uh, that's the coaching is and Jim's done an incredible job on just being calm um, taking input from Gully and uh, Jim I'm sure talking to Kenny and, and let's not discount Kenny I mean the job he's done from the top end down just keeping everything calm and relaxed and focused on what they're trying to do and it's uh it's translated onto the ice. I mean, Connor's always going to be Connor. Leon's consistently being Leon and getting better, and the other guys are starting to get better too. So there's uh, there's good things ahead for this hockey club. We appreciate you taking time joining us. Final question: You're one of the greatest skaters in the game. Uh, a thought on what we watch on a nightly basis with Connor McDavid and just the you know just how incredibly special it is to watch a guy play at that pace, Paul. Well, I mean, to do what Connor does at that speed is is absolutely incredible. And I think that uh, I think that you know to have the puck on his stick, especially inside our blue line or just outside the blue line, giving three quarter of the ice to to skate is absolutely incredible. And it's uh, hey, it's a real treat. The Oilers fans have been able to see some great, great hockey over the year, and there's only going to be better things ahead. And uh, you know, the one thing that separates Connor from a lot of guys is it doesn't matter what he does, he always wants to be better, and that's what makes him special. Paul, we appreciate your time. Stay safe, okay? Okay, you too. See you later. That is Paul Coffey, who on this day, 34 years ago, broke a record that uh, many thought would never get broken. Bobby Orr scored 46 goals. Paul Coffey scored number 46 and 47 in a game against Vancouver April 2nd, 1986. You heard Paul. Wayne's Wayne. Bobby is Bobby. Gordy is Gordy. That's kind of how we saw those. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Those guys. All right, we'll take a quick time out. It's 147. We've got a bunch of texts to get into. This is Oilers Now. Hi, this is Oscar Clefbaum from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. We're going to circle back to a couple things Paul Coffey said momentarily here in Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. For a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations, go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation at Royal Pizza, meat lovers, to this day in Oilers history, well, there were two. <laughs> and one of them we just talked about with Paul Coffey uh, breaking the NHL single-season record for most goals. And he basically deferred every step of the way through that interview. Uh, you can tell the amount of uh, respect he had for the the fellow players that were with this group. But what happened on this day back in 1989? I figured we'd uh, better offer up some diversity considering we spent a whole segment with Paul there. But uh, yeah, back in 1989, Edmonton's Jimmy Carson scored his 100th point of the season for the second straight year, picking up an assist for the Oilers and a 4-2 loss at Calgary. That was the final 100-point season of Carson's NHL career. All right. Uh, excited Dawn has texted us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. Uh, Bob, I want to mention I 100% agree with what Paul Coffey said, that it was the loudest I've ever heard anything in my life, and that was probably the most excited I was in my life up to that day. That was game three back at Edmonton, Edmonton, Montreal. Brennan, I cannot reiterate this point more. At the time that it happened, you didn't, like the Montreal Canadiens had won the Cup in 76. 677, 78, and 79. They were a dynasty. They had the big three on defense, you know, with Robinson and LaPointe and Savard. Those Savard was starting to maybe show some signs, but they had, like, you know, Rod Langway and Ingblom coming on defense. Uh, they no longer had Ken Dryden, uh, but they were still the Montreal Canadiens, you know, just a year and a half removed from winning the Stanley Cup. Edmonton went in there in game one. Gretzky had five assists. Moe was pretty good. He was really good in game two, and the Canadians' Richard 78 wasn't as good. But in game three, Edmonton separated. They pulled away. Now, you didn't think that as a kid watching it. And as an Oiler, as an Edmontonian at that time, I don't know how many guys out there sat there and said the Oilers were just better. But you know what? When you rewatch the games today, the Oilers were already just better. And then, you, you know, the game that's out there, on YouTube is a game from January of, uh, of that year in 81 when the Oilers bombed the Montreal Canadiens 9-1 at uh, what was that Northlands Coliseum so you can kind of sense that was coming now I know I've asked you to do a little bit of homework 
assignment, Brendan, over the last uh, couple seasons since coming to the show. And what, what have you sort of noticed about that era? It's just more wide open hockey. I mean, we can look at the obvious and say that the goaltenders wear much smaller equipment. And But you look at it at a grander scale and just the amount of room that's created, not only, uh, you know, by the way the game was played with the hooking and the clutching and grabbing, but it just seemed like Edmonton's players had a different gear some of them at that point you know you obviously like a guy like Glenn Anderson for example but getting to look back at that time and seeing how he utilized all that extra space I mean Connor McDavid would be bloody well unstoppable if he had the same amount of time to work with in some of these instances at least the way that I've been watching these older games oh, I think you know what I think if you you know if you talk to the great players of that era they'd probably tell you McDavid would be a 200 to 250 point player. the one thing I would say I don't know if I, I, there, there's days that I almost think Connor's too polite on the uh, on the ice for his own good. Like, you know, I can recall games in which it was like st- when the Oilers wrapped up the series against Chicago in 1985. Wayne Gretzky was stripping guys on the ice with under a minute left in the third period when the Oilers were up seven to two. He wanted to go set up and get another one. That's just. Like, Wayne had a killer instinct. And, uh, you know, now my theory on this, Brendan, and we can get into this more in the next, and we're going to have time, but my theory on this is Wayne always had to prove it. Like, he came into the NHL, and guys, you know, the writers in Toronto, ah, he's too small, he's not strong enough. And, you know, the the mythology that he wasn't fast enough, he he was quick, and he had great anticipation as a player. Um, but there were non-believers. Richard Sevigny, in that 81 series, was a non-believer against the Edmonton Oilers and Wayne Gretzky. In Connor's case, he has been the next one since he's literally been four, 13, 14 years of age. So I wonder if it just sometimes results in a... It's not that Connor doesn't have... It's like Connor's so classy and respectful of opposition players. A little bit different perspective. Uh, Jason from Sangudo knows how to make me laugh. There is a character in the show Tiger King that uh, Brian Burke referenced. And he said, Bob, Carol Baskin was messing with Brian Burke's phone reception. I guarantee it. All right. uh, There you go. That's under Ashley Fine Floors text line. Thank you very much, Jason. We'll have ongoing COVID-19 pandemic coronavirus coverage coming up at... 2 o'clock with Eileen Bell, followed by 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen Nye. At, at 2.15 today, Jalen will chat with an Edmonton ICU doctor about fighting the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, the updates come from uh, Alberta Health every day at 3.35. we got a good show coming up for you tomorrow as well. Elliot Friedman from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Oilers forward, Kyler Yamamoto will join us on tomorrow's show. And Oil Kings, uh, well, this year he was voted the, the team MVP and best defenseman Matthew Robertson, New York Rangers second-round pick, will join us as well. Reed Wilkins has Inside Sports tonight at 6. Brendan, what's he working on? You're going to hear from Edmonton Oilers defenseman Caleb Jones as well as Eskimos head coach Scott Milanovic, the voice of the team on the Oilers radio network. That is Jack Michaels. All right, awesome stuff. It's 157 in Edmonton. Stay safe, everybody, and look after each other out there. Up next, the Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell.
Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.